you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. <clears throat> Sweet Victory and J-Mac on tap too. Help us navigate the show. This time I actually did work on it. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've done, at this point, I've done everything that I can think of to do um, just before coming to air. And I just, that's it. <laughs> that's well, it. Well, you know. I'm being told. I hope that no one's watching the video. I'm I'm being told that um, the lighting is really bad. <laughs> Who said that, J Mac? The incomparable J Mac, um, <laughs> the perfectionist. He's, it's well, his, good thing his, they have you in that lighting. Well, no, that's sweet, but oh. it looks a little bit. I can see it. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit. Um, how shall we say? <clears throat> reflective. Ah, it's a little. Um, the surface area of my forehead. <laughs> seems to be ample enough space to reflect the light. So there you go. If you if you enjoy a good Christmas show, <clears throat> just tune in and watch the oh, video today. Man. No, look, I'm secure enough. It's fine. It's fine. The light is Stop bright. I, I don't with know. The light. It's the same I, light. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I did. Okay. I don't know what I did. I'm sorry. But anyway, um, so many people who are petty are just going to go and check out the video to see. They're like, well, let's see what she was talking about today. That's I'm working some, now, but when I get home, yeah. we'll check it out and laugh. Get some views up. Um, I'll fix it during the break or or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's so distracting. Glad I don't have to watch it. Um. <laughs> anyways, today I yes. wanted to talk about um, Jeremiads. I, I want to talk about Jeremiads and I want to define it, uh, define what Jeremiads are and, and talk about how they came into uh, public use here in the new world. And, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, then from there, I want to just ask the question, do, do we need to return to jeremiads mm. in america Ooh. do we need to bring back jeremiads you mean preaching with like passion and the word of god and yeah yeah, yeah. You know, well fire and <laughs> yes like okay so let's let's just kind of have a conversation about okay. this and, and let me let me start with um defining what a jeremiad is and and the fact that it did not originate in the new world it came from england it came with the english puritans and this this style of of preaching mm -hmm. was it was a fiery style of preaching that interestingly enough and so the the just in short a jeremiad is a type of preaching that mm -hmm. pronounces woes and judgments like if you do not turn and you do not repent you will perish like you know it is it yeah. is very straightforward in its preaching it is lament. It is a, it is sermons of lament. Like, look at where we are. What have we done? We have invited the judgment of God on us. It, very much what you would get from the prophet Jeremiah, which is where it gets its name, Jeremiah. But interestingly, <clears throat> the history of the Jeremiah mm -hmm. um, is that in 
English use, it had a couple elements that you still see as it became um, prevalent in American use pre-America in the New World. Let's just say that. But you know what I mean when I say America before 1776, okay, coming right. to the New World. Um, it, there was a third element that was added when it crossed the water. Mm. So, And I find that really interesting. I want to talk about that and then kind of like break this down and then okay. look at where we are in culture and then, you know, just kind of decide what is the demand or what's what's necessary for us today as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Jeremiah had like these two major components um, before it crossed the water, before it came to the new world. And one of those things was lament. It's just look at how far we have fallen from God's standard. Look at where we are. Look, look at what is happening. Um, this is what God has set in front of us. We have rejected this. And, and therefore, God has brought his judgment, right? So that would be like the second component that God judges this rebellion. He judges us. We have fallen from God's grace. Um, so imagine this in England. This is, this is God's uh, judgment on us, but that's where it stops. Mm. So it's like the, the culture is declining. Um, society is declining. And, and this is because we have turned away from God. Okay. So imagine this among the Christians. Um, but there was a third element that was added in the new world that sort of, um, I think, is indicative of the expectations of um, creating this new culture, that the culture is so rooted in even, and we've talked about the church growing up alongside America, right? Mm -hmm. And so that they kind of get meshed together, mm -hmm. that the church is America is the church is America, is the church, is America, is the church. You, you understand what I'm yeah, saying, right? Yeah. And I think this third element that got added once it, once it crossed the water, um, I think is really interesting. So the third element that was added mm -hmm. was, but if you repent, mm. if you come back to God, then all of the dismay that we are facing will be stopped. It will be stayed. The hand of God, the judgment of God will be stayed, and the result will be a peaceful culture and society that we will live in. Hmm. Which I think is really interesting because one of the most famous, and, and I'll kind of go back, kind of work my way back, one of the most, if not, and, and somebody could argue me this, and I'd be interested to know what your, like if you, somebody could challenge the statement that I'm about to make, and I'd, I'd be interested to know what you would bring as your proof mm -hmm. uh, to this challenge. But I would say probably the most famous Okay, one of the most, if not the most famous. <laughs> I just have to cover all bases, right? Because somebody's going to write me and say, hey, I don't know if you read this, Mika. But well, you already opened yourself um, up to a challenge, so just say it. Yeah, and I'm ready. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, one of the most famous, if not the most famous, Jeremiah mm -hmm. was um, preached by Jonathan Edwards in 1741. Now, it, was, it, was, uh, it became well-known in 1741. He had actually preached it several years prior to that. It was not yet known, but it was the catalyst to the first great awakening mm. in the new world. It like this, this fire in the new world. And so popular was this Jeremiah. So popular was this sermon that I, the first time I ever read this sermon was in my public high school in new Orleans. <laughs> like this wow. was, this okay. was a part of my literature class. Really? Yes. Yes. And, and you know, it's amazing I don't know if this would still be a part of literature today, but we actually had to read this sermon. Um, I've got to tell you now, I don't know if this is because I was checked out, but I don't remember this being taught as a sermon. 
I just remember this being a work of literature that we had to read and dissect and talk about and look at the various elements of this literature and, mm-hmm. and the devices that were used in it. But if some of our listeners have probably guessed it by now, so popular it was, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Mm-hmm. You, do, you re- do you remember ever hearing about this? Yes. But we in, didn't have to study in the school or we didn't break it down. You, you must have had a missionary teacher. No, I, it was in, it was in <laughs> yeah. our literature book. It was, oh, it was really? actually, yes, it huh. was in our literature book. Like we read it, like it maybe was on I pages. It. Yeah, hey. I don't know. Well, maybe, you know, maybe just better schools, yeah, schools yeah, that uh, fear uh, God. Whatever. No, I'm kidding. Not, <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, but the thing that was interesting about this sermon is that unlike what characterized the um, Jeremiah, I, I jokingly say Americana, is that this um, Jonathan Edwards sermon didn't have this, if you repent, then all of the culture will change and, and will get back into um, God's good graces. The sinners in the hands of an angry God, that sermon, that Jeremiah um, focused specifically on the person needing to repent. If, if you do not repent, if you do not turn from your sin, um, you are hanging by a thread over hell God is holding you there and it is only his grace and his mercy that he does not release this string. Mm. I mean, that's, that's, that's it (laughs) in a nutshell. And and if you read it, which I did in preparation for the show, I went back because I can't remember high school years, right? Not because I just couldn't, but I just can't, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I can't remember. I want to make sure that that makes sense because some people go back to their high school years and they're like, I can't remember my high school years because of all the, you know, no, (laughs) I just, that's not my testimony. I'm just saying, I just don't remember. So I went back and I was reading it earlier this morning and just thinking through like this, this, the power of this sermon. And I was thinking in light of um, where we are as a country. And I was thinking about how this has so um, grossly affected the church in America. And what I'm not so much interested in when I when I say bring back the Jeremiads, I'm not so much interested in this collective call of let's all, you know, get in this place where we uh, do better, we live better, and then the culture by extension will be better. Mm-hmm. That's that's not right. what I'm interested in. But but I am interested in lament mm. when, when when I see and I read. Um, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Oh, here? yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so like when I read Christian brothers and sisters who are making a case for civil unions and respected Christian brothers, you know, um, attempting to make a case for civil unions that Christians could kind of come to a middle ground on. Hmm. I think that's time for a Jeremiah. Hmm. I think that's time for for lament. Yeah. You know, I think it's time yeah. to say, wait a minute, what 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 are we proposing here? Yeah. Um, when you've got drag queens mm-hmm. who come into the Lord's house mm. and, and the Lord has said that that the God's house, mm-hmm. like the God, God has said that his house is to be a house of prayer. Mm-hmm. And, and yet here here we have drag queens coming into God's house and, and little children mm. sitting under their instruction we're yeah. at the place we need Jeremiah's. Like, we we need lament. When you have whole denominations bowing down to that that were historically, you know, ones that stood upright, but have bowed down to this whole sexual deviancy and you know, and and on caved on many issues, I think you're right. There yeah. is this is a time of lament. And I think 
you know, that has to be uh, something that, that happens. You know, that type of preaching under the power of God and, and a call for repentance. Yes, yes. And and let me say, and this is, and this is sort of where I want to, um, where I want to make a hard case for the lament and the repentance with no expectation except that which is of utmost importance. Mm. And, and that is that people will come to Jesus mm. Christ. So, so, cause I guess my question is, mm-hmm. can the Jeremiah be employed mm-hmm. if it is employed against the hope that the society writ large will change? Mm. Like, like, yeah. can we lament moving away from God's standard mm-hmm. if we don't have on the other end of that lament um, then I will hear from heaven and healed your and <laughs> right. heal your land you, right. do you understand what I'm saying and, yeah. and look please I, I'm trying to make the case here that the Lord God is sovereign I am not rejecting Amen. whatever God's sovereign move is and whatever remains for God to do in the United States of America mm-hmm. but I think far too often, we have gotten ourselves in a place where we can only lament and we can only pray. We can only feel badly about what's happening in the church. If, if that posture um, secures for us a cultural change on the Mm. other side, do you Mm -hmm. you see what I'm saying? So in other words, I can only, um, I can only posture myself in humility before God because on the other side of that, circumstances writ large are going to get better. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to, it's going to all come out that, that we will return to being that shining city on a hill that, that things are going to go the way we expect them to go culturally uh, in the society at large. What I'm suggesting here is, um, and and not even a return to, 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 you know, the European Jeremiah. I'm not, I'm not saying we go back over to England and it's just like <laughs> torch it all. It's all that's, I'm not even suggesting that. I'm certainly not suggesting the Jeremiah Americana um, that says, here's what you've done wrong. Here's here are the curses that we have received because of what we've done wrong. But if you turn and repent, then we can turn our society back into a place that everyone wants to live in. I'm not suggesting that. I guess what I'm suggesting is maybe sort of like a third type of Jeremiah. <laughs> I don't know if I have the authority <laughs> to do that, but. But one where we recognize where we are, what the Lord has set as his standard for the Mm -hmm, church, mm -hmm. how we have fallen away from that and how we repent and turn to him for the saving of our souls, for the saving of the souls of our loved ones who without Jesus Christ, they will perish. Yeah, they will perish. All right. This is Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and as Angela Prim with Battle Hymn of the Republic. Oh, Jeff has let me down. Anyways, it's fine. 
He's like, I can't miraculously <laughs> take away the shine from your forehead. Yes, you can. If you can. Okay. You've let me down. Um, anyway, welcome back. Today we're talking about the, um, <laughs> I just can't watch it. We are talking about the uh, the Jeremiah, and I was I was so impressed this morning. I was just praying, and I was thinking about um, just to kind of walk people through my thought process. I was thinking about the decline that we have witnessed in our country, but um, specifically in our church, like mm. in the Lord's church yes. in America. Just thinking about the decline mm-hmm. and the things that just continue happening, and they happen. Uh, daily and subtly, but they are consistently happening. Mm. And um, as I was thinking about the decline, I was reminded of some of the church history that I've studied in the past, Mm -hmm. looking at, as it was called, the declension that was experienced in the new world Mm -hmm. um, before the first great awakening. And so I went back and I started reading some of that and reading what characterized that decline um, and, and what led to the pastors and the elders who were who began to preach these jeremiads that gave way to the first great awakening um and and so i was thinking man you know maybe we need to bring back jeremiads like maybe we need to return to this style of preaching where pastors and elders stand up today and they don't try to soften the truth of god's righteous judgment mm. that judgment is coming that judgment is coming and that those upon who um, the Lord's judgment rests have rejected Christ. Mm-hmm. They have they have turned away from this this rescue. They have rejected the one who gave himself as a ransom, who who stood in their stead. And I was thinking, you know, we actually live in a time where, unfortunately, everyone is clamoring to um, to handle PR for God. Mm. You know what I mean? Like everyone is clamoring. Like, uh, and so here's what we're going to do just so that our listeners know we're, we're actually going to, and I use this term very loosely here, mm-hmm. not literally, but well, of course not literally, not with um, great intense focus. We, we're just going to kind of loosely dissect Jonathan Edwards uh, um, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And, and, and so we're going to look at a little bit of it. And let me say this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh Quite the, the contrary. I think churches would be more inclined not to want to go to Jeremiah's. It's like, that's too right. harsh. Like, yes. You know, like, man, we have to really, you know, uh, soften the blow. Like we, mm-hmm. you know, it's the, the seeker sensitive or the relational like type type deal and say, yes. no, we don't need to preach like that. So I think the, the prevailing mindset of the day is no, no, no Jeremiah, Jeremiah, so, no, none of that because that's too harsh and people I'm are going to really run you away. Said that. Yes. <laughs> you know? And that's, I didn't finish making the point, but I'm, I'm really glad you said that because that's, that's almost exactly the point I was attempting to make. And that so many people are scurrying to handle PR for God mm-hmm. that they want to handle his image. It's like it's like a bunch of people get around in a room and they're like, you know, you know what? God has an image problem. Okay, this whole wrath thing, this whole like hell thing and and like judging people and sending people to hell because of the choice they have made to reject his grace and his mercy like this thing. It's not working for us in America. Hmm. So so what we're going to do is we're going to repackage him. 
okay? Mm. And we're going to we're going to we're going to bring him into, you know, 21st century America here and and he just loves everybody. Mm. And that love has no implication of any righteous judgment. Like we we're just going to pick the attributes that we like, right? <laughs> and so it's like a bunch of people get in a room and they decide on this and then they exit that room and then and then unfortunately the room happens to take place in some of our seminaries all across the country. Mm. Okay. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so they exit that room and enter stage right or left, left on the pulpit. Okay. <laughs> right. And and then they begin preaching this new image or this newly imagined God mm. who they have to remove like huge chunks of scripture to make him palatable mm-hmm. to people who just, they just, they just want to be loved. Mm. Right. They don't Mm. they don't want to have a standard that they have to be bothered with. They don't want to think of judgment. They don't want to think of God's wrath. They just want, you know, it's Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, right. Like, I mean, (laughs) he just loves everything that you do. And honey. (laughs) Right. 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 So, so what I'm oh thinking, what I'm thinking here is like, mm-hmm. what would it really look like if we in our families, and this is our first focus, I'm not going to stop saying that, if we in our families return to teaching the entire counsel of God's word mm-hmm. that we present to our children, to our grandchildren, right? And then by extension, those who are far off, okay, so mm-hmm. outside of, of our families, if we present God as he's presented himself to us, you know, one of the things that I am so fascinated by is that God wants to be known. Mm. He wants to be known by us. He is the God who discloses himself. Indeed, it is true that if God did not want us to know him, we would know nothing of him. That's right. That's that. He's God. He can do that, that's right? right? But, but that's not true. He actually wants to be known by us. So he has revealed himself to us. He has disclosed himself to us from Old Testament to New Testament. God has one collective story. He is revealing who he is. He is revealing his plan for mankind. And all of these things should cause us to stand in awe. But what we do, what we do here as of late, and, and I say as of late, I mean, you know, for a long time, right? right? Because when you talk about decline, I mean, they're talking about decline in the 1700s. They, they're, they're, they're talking about, you know, coming to the new world mm-hmm. where we are going to be able to live according to um, our religious convictions. We are going to have the freedom to live a life of worship, to live a life of worship. And then within a generation, you've got the Puritans lamenting, hey, what's going on with our children? Mm. Hey, what's what where 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 have we gone wrong? Like what 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 have we pursued <laughs> that's caused us to overlook our children and in our offspring, just next generation in our off offspring, we've got this rejection of fidelity to God's word. Wow this rejection of holiness and you enter this period of great decline in the new world. And so these Jeremiah's and I, I wanted to look, <laughs> I was, I was reading this out loud and, um, and JD walked in as I was reading out loud because you know, 1741. Were you reading it like um, 1741? I was trying to. Oh wow. I was trying to. I was trying that. to imagine I, <laughs> well, your son did catch it. And um I was trying to imagine what it might have been like to be sitting in church and hear Jonathan Edwards preaching this sermon. 
Um, in fact, I read an account of a pastor, a reverend who was actually in the audience and he wrote down what he saw um, as Jonathan Edwards preached. And I was reading some other things that kind of described the way Jonathan Edwards preached just in general. Mm-hmm. And so in general, his preaching was very laser focused, according to historians. So Jonathan Edwards would stand up on the platform and he would zero in on the back of the wall. So he didn't make eye contact with people. Hmm. Which wow, I don't know if that's more menacing or <laughs> less. Men- I I don't I don't know if that would scare me more. You know, just to have someone. So he just looked over everybody's head. Preach much. that dramatic. And and I don't know if it's because he didn't want to be dismayed by the faces. Because when you read "Sinners wow. in the Hands of an Angry God," he leaves no stone unturned. I mean, nearing the end of the sermon, he actually he zeroes in on the children and you young people here today. He's like, you know. <laughs> You're sitting here and you have not made a decision. And he's like, and hell is for you too. If you do not, it's like, oh my goodness, today we'd be like, no, not the babies. I mean, (laughs) yes, they need to know Christ, right? They need to come to know Christ. And so anyway, I was reading this account of um, a reverend who was, who was uh, in attendance in Enfield in 1941. So on July 8th, uh, 1741, 1741, when, um, when Edwards preached this sermon, and this is what he later recorded about what he observed as, as uh, Edwards was preaching the sermon. And he wrote this quote, before the sermon was done, there was a great moaning and crying through the whole house. Hmm. Indeed. Let me just say this though. <laughs> People go back and read sinners in the hands of an angry God. Okay. Because if, if you're not saved, that will be your moment. You, you, it is, it is, there is no way for you to play around with the holiness of God when, when you understand that the wrath of God is on those who have not received Christ. We have so softened that in our culture that even, I have to tell you, even as I was reading it, I'm thinking, oh, uh, brother Edwards, like, (laughs) you know, but it's all, it's, it's steeped in scripture, Right. But we're just not used to that. Mm -hmm. Collectively, we're not used to that. So again, back to this eyewitness. It was Reverend uh, Reverend Stephen Williams of Longmeadow, Massachusetts. He wrote, before the sermon was done, there was a great moaning and crying through the whole house. What shall I do to be saved? Oh, I'm going to hell. Oh, what shall I do for Christ? And so on. So that the minister was obliged to desist the shrieks and cries with piercing and amazing. After some time of waiting, the congregation were still so that a prayer was made by Mr. W. I don't know who Mr. W is. And after that, we descended from the pulpit and discourse with the people. In other words, there was such a lament that there was a pause in the sermon. There was such a lament and a wailing and a pause that, that there uh, required a pause in the sermon so there could be a different a prayer made for these people so that they would be consoled, right? Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine taking the word of God so seriously so as to hear, because, because Jonathan Edwards says in the sermon that you are sitting here today, I'm paraphrasing, he goes, you are sitting here today And indeed, you are as much in hell as those who are in hell right now. Hmm. Can you imagine the mega church that that would make for today (laughs) to to talk about sin? And to and to talk about what awaits those who reject the grace of God. Look, why? Why am I? Why am I thinking about this? I'm thinking about this 
because we are having conversations about how we use or don't use people's preferred pronouns and so delude them. Mm. Like I, I was thinking, even as I was reading the sermon, I was thinking, man, when even today for Christians, genuine Christians, myself, like I love Jesus. When we talk about loving people enough to tell the truth, do we really understand what that means? Like, do we really understand what people will be spared from to come to know truth, to come to know Jesus Christ? And I got to tell you, as I was reading this sermon, um, I just I thought, man, I'm not sure we get it. Mm. I'm not sure we really understand that we really have the holy fear of God's righteous wrath. So much of what we have normalized, we don't think of as an affront to Christ. We don't think of as offensive to God. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just become the yeah. way that we live. Mm. All right. Well, I'm going to get into it then here. Yes. So brace yourself. Okay. Seatbelts. <laughs> Sinners in the hands of an angry God. This is Jonathan Edwards, 1741. Um, he began with Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35. And I'm just going to kind of jump around here a little bit um, because Indeed, some of it, I thought I might make right wing watch <laughs> by reading it. But this is a sermon preached in a congregation <laughs> where there are men and women and boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and how many of us could stand it today? All right. So Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, their foot shall slide in due time. Their foot shall slide in due time. And this verse is threatened the vengeance of God on the wicked, unbelieving Israelites who were God's visible people and who lived under the means of grace, but who notwithstanding all God's wonderful works toward them remained, as verse 28 said, void of counsel, having no understanding in them. Under all the cultivations of heaven, they brought forth bitter and poisonous fruit, as in the two verses next preceding the text. The expression I have chosen for my text, their foot shall slide in due time, mm. seems to imply the following things relating to the punishment and destruction to which these wicked Israelites were exposed. One, that they were always exposed to destruction as one that stands or walks in slippery places is always exposed to fall. This is implied in the manner of their destruction coming upon them, being represented by their foot sliding. The same is expressed in Psalm 73, 18. Surely thou did set them in slippery places. Thou cast them down into destruction. Number two, it implies that they were always exposed to sudden, unexpected destruction. As he that walks in slippery places is every moment liable to fall. He mm. cannot foresee one moment whether he shall stand or fall the next. And when he does fall, he falls at once without warning, which is also expressed in Psalm 73, 18 and 19. Surely thou did set them in slippery places. Thou cast them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? Mm. Another thing implied, this is point three, another thing implied is that they are liable to fall of themselves without being thrown down by the hand of another or he that stands or walks on slippery ground. He needs nothing but his own weight to throw him down. 
I'm going to pause here because I hear the music. When we come back, I'm going to have to move a little more quickly and, and maybe we can open the phone lines, get the response of uh, some of our listeners today. Um, I want to focus specifically as Jonathan Edwards moved through what awaits those who rejects God's grace. Mm. All right. Aaron, the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll take the break and be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Is it time to bring back Jeremiah? That's my that's my question. Uh, I would say the most famous one, the one that at least I I thought we all had to read in school. I had a superior school. Yeah, maybe um, so. I don't remember it. Sinners, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, who this this sermon is known as the catalyst for the first great awakening. It was um, this sermon and others like it, I would say. I, you know, I hesitate to say it was one sermon that did it, but maybe some people would say, no, Mika, it, it was. It was just that <laughs> one. And so that's great. The point is, though, that it happened, that people began to repent and people began to come back to the Lord. They turned from their sin. There was this coldness. There was this uh, decline in um, the desire for the things of God. And so preachers, not not only Jonathan Edwards, but preachers like him began preaching these sermons, these very tough, very strong sermons that suggested you're you're trying to live this comfortable life. Mm -hmm. But what of hell? What of eternity to come? And, you know, it's interesting to me, and I'll go back to the sermon. It's interesting, it's interesting to me today that even among those who are strongly convicted about the things of God, we have a difficult time reconciling what we read in Scripture about hell with what we have been taught traditionally yeah. in church. Yeah. There's very little mention of hell and judgment and an eternity of separation from God. You know, there's you don't hear now. I I did hear this growing up about the worm that doesn't die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't you remember the that? I mean, teeth and, yes. But see, the thing is, do you think it's because we feel like everybody knows it already? Like it, it, it's, no, I think it's because we don't want people to know it. I so think, you think we don't it, want people to know about hell. I I think it gets in the way of our making people feel welcomed and and we live in a very um man and this is yeah. crazy to think about we live in a judgment free society where we don't want man. people to feel judged we but but that is exactly what God that's does that's what it is that's what yes. it is if you if you're not in the family of God you're under judgment you're under the wrath of God like that's just bible so I guess I guess to me I understand because you do have those those uh, uh, churches or places where it's like no we want to keep it soft we we don't want to talk about hell we don't want to talk about sin man but I'm like the your your place may be full but it's full of people who don't know the truth mm, yes exactly and and so I think I think um, we would serve one another well to read and take seriously the entirety of God's word. Amen. I'm, I'm reminded of a conversation you shared with me 
of, you know, one who said, I stay away from certain books because there are certain books that are controversial. Right. Like, wait. <laughs> it was the book <laughs> but of it's God's, it's God's word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's God. I think it's controversial that you stay ap- away from parts of God's word. That's a controversy. Like, what, yes. what do you, I mean, let's consider all of it, especially in our discourse, like in our, our public um, exchanges with people. I don't know. I guess I there's a sense of there's not an urgency regarding the souls of men. Mm. You know what I mean? And and that's the bottom line wow. of what I'm suggesting. There's yeah. not an urgency regarding the souls of men. And when you read these Jeremiads, namely sinners in the hands of an angry guy, that's what we're talking about today. There was a sense of urgency. Like you can't read this sermon, by the way, and it's a it's an investment of time. It's a, it's a chunk of a sermon. OK, but when you read this sermon you you understand the urgency of the moment. And the reason you understand that is because Jonathan Edwards said as much. Like <laughs> he's like, you you don't know when you will slip into eternity. And and basically he's saying you delude yourself into thinking that it's not my time. And he says, You don't know when your time will be. I'm gonna read an excerpt from it. Okay, so so here we go. Um, but the foolish children of men, this is Jonathan Edwards. Uh, The foolish children of men miserably delude themselves in their own schemes and in confidence in their own strength and wisdom. Mm. They trust to nothing but a shadow. The greater part of those who heretofore have lived under the same means of grace and are now dead are undoubtedly gone to hell. And Mm. it was not because they were not as wise as those who are now alive. It was not because they did not lay out matters as well for themselves to secure their own escape. If we could speak with them. And inquire of them one by one whether they expected when alive and when they used to hear about hell or ever ever to be the subjects of misery. We doubtless should hear one and another reply, quote, no, I never intended to come here. I had laid out matters otherwise in my mind. I thought I should contrive well for myself. I thought my scheme good. Mm. I intended to take effectual care, but it came upon me unexpected. I did not look for it at that time. And in that manner, it came as a thief. Death outwitted me. God's wrath was too quick for me. Oh, my cursed foolishness. I was flattering myself and pleasing myself with vain dreams of what I would do hereafter. And when I was saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction came upon me. Mm. (laughs) Like, why does it? Okay, so here's my thought. (laughs) My thought is, and I think the Jeremiah was p- replaced with, um, I guess, the the um, the colloquialism that w- it replaced was the fire and brimstone preacher. That's what we yeah, heard. Yeah, and, and I think that's where things begin to be like, we don't want that. So then people start to move away from that or they specifically look for that. Yeah. As if as if the total preaching of God's word, like that you could. <laughs> right. You, in, in one solid preacher of righteousness, that in order for you to be a solid preacher of righteousness, mm-hmm. it would have to include judgment. It would have to include an eternity to come. And I think what we have missed is mm. that we think, well, that person preaches hellfire and brimstone. But see, that's what we tend to do as people. We tend to overcorrect. Like we say, okay, let's go away to the other side. We don't talk about hell at all. Right. You know, you have a abundance of uh, places, you know, not every, I mean, because there's a lot of places that are teaching the truth, but there are, there are a lot who went through that whole you know, seeker friendly, all that stuff, and and they've gone to the other side of that to where they don't even talk about it at the peril of the people who are in their midst, in their congregations. You I know, don't th- I don't think that um, 
peril is too strong a word to use. Yeah. I think that's that's exactly where we need to be. Look, when when we are comfortable enough to sit back and say, you know, my kid, um, my daughter wants to now be my son. And in churches, we say mm. we need to make space for that. We say we need to we need to be uh, sensitive to these issues to the point where we lie to people. We keep right. the ground right. very smooth right. for their um, entree to an eternity of separation from God. But not just that, because even let me and, and you know, check myself here in real time. Mm-hmm. Even when we say an eternity of separation from God, I think there are some people who are just kind of like, well, I mean, okay. Mm. You, do you understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's, it's, it's saying that a person will right. not be your friend anymore. Right. And well, I mean, fine. If he doesn't want to be my friend, then I want to be his. No, no. It's an eternity of separation from God where the unrestrained wrath of God is poured out on you. Where the worm never dies. I mean, think about that. Like, we, we don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I'm saying is, and the thing that, that really was burdening my heart this morning is that the reality of holding back from people the truth. Mm-hmm is the reality of not loving them. Mm. That, that is the definition of a lack of love. Like if you know the truth, and, and indeed I think this also presupposes you believe it, right? right? But, but you don't tell people, you keep that back from them because you want them to like you. I've said this before, I think it bears repeating. Um, it's, it's that you love you, not them. Mm. If you know the truth, and you hold it back from people because it threatens to make you uncomfortable mm-hmm. or it, it threatens to cause a loss of friendship. And you just you hold it back because you love you more than that person. Don't we should not deceive ourselves into thinking that, well, I don't tell them the truth because I love them and I don't want to hurt them. No, you you don't tell people the truth because the bottom line is you love you. You love you. You love your comfort. You love not having the hard stares. You, you love not having the blank short messages. You know, people, they mm-hmm. ghost you. You, yeah. you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, 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 and what is it worth, though? Can we endure that to win people to Jesus? Can we endure that kind of um, being ostracized by people? Indeed, being ostracized even among, like, members of the church, people mm-hmm. you go to church with every week, and you start to try to tell them the truth that, no, God is not approving this. No, God has not sanctioned this. No, these, these people are false prophets. They are not telling the truth. They are not speaking the truth of God's word. And indeed, you say this even among other Christians where that's supposed to be a safe space for truth. I mean, right. filler and buttress. Supposed to be a safe <laughs> space for truth. Right. But you say it in that context. And what do people, what do people, man, you're radical. Mm. Man, you're just, you're just too much. And I think that me. is the question. Can we endure it? Like, because if we're going to live godly, we're going to stand on the truth those opportunities for us to be persecuted will come, you know, and especially when you look at what's happening in this country right now, you know, those opportunities uh, will come. And so I think it's almost like why hold back? Why not just lay it all on the line and tell the truth? You know, if we're going to live for God, like this is what's coming anyway. And so, and you made a good point about, do we believe it? That's a, that's a huge point. Do we really believe that people are under the wrath of God, that do we really believe that they're on their way to hell, uh, you know, and living a life right now where they're, you know, that they're going straight there? Like, do we really believe that mm. to the point that it moves us and that mm-hmm. we really do care about souls? I think that's a question that we all have to ask 
because if it, if we did, there would be a lot more sharing of the yes, you know, of this news yes. to to people. You God's know? wrath is coming would be would be our refrain. God's wrath is coming. God's wrath is coming. If you are not in Christ, the wrath of God is on you now. Like do do that's that, I think in all um for the practice of what we see, not what we say, but the practice um strongly suggests in my opinion mm-hmm. that we're not quite convinced that and I'm going to put this in quotes mm-hmm. that a good God will send people to hell. We we have a lot of expectation of these sort of last moments. We didn't see it happen, possibly a conversion. Yeah. And so and and so in that way we think that like, you know, posthumously God's putting everybody in heaven. Like there's mm. no no one's really going to hell, right? Like we kind of go back to the places where we can romanticize that person's life. So we tend to after they pass on, we tend to focus on those things that they did that were good and then we just kind of hope it into reality wow. that what they did was good enough. And so then we go to this new age that it outweighs whatever bad they may have done. Wow. And God's going to reconcile all of that. And they're going to get to be with him for eternity. But, but he did make a way to reconcile all of that in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, and, and I think that's, that's the thing that um, is so offensive to people wow. to, to hear the truth of God's judgment, that God's wrath is coming. Look, when we stand up and we say to people that what God has said about human sexuality, sexual identity, mm. about marriage, about the sanctity of human life, what, what God has said about partiality, mm-hmm. about adultery, about right. lying, about being a swindler, right, right, what, that those things are true and that God judges those things you know, he is not excusing those things because they're your things you know and the thing is i think we back to that question like do we really believe i think that's, that's so sobering you know because the outcome would be uh the the preaching like we believe yes and, and talk about jeremiah's you know jeremiah was cast into a system you know he had <laughs> right. his family trying to right. kill him oh man Come so on. and but he hmm. kept Speaking what the Lord was telling him to speak, you know, people didn't believe him. You know, (laughs) there was false prophets that was constantly prophesying and he was telling the truth. Like it was a hard road. And so we're talking about Jeremiah as if if that's where we want to go and that's what's needed, which I believe more of that is needed. Mm -hmm. We have to be willing to accept all that comes with it. That's right. We've got to count the cost. Like, I mean, I, I think the question is. Um, where is your greatest allegiance? Like who reigns supreme? Mm-hmm. You know, is it the sovereign one, the Lord? Like is, is it the mighty one, the Lord? Is that the one that we fear? And it's, it's amazing. Like so many people want to make fear like not fear. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Jesus is like, look, don't fear those who can kill the body. And then that's it. Fear the one who has the power that after the body <laughs> is dead can cast the soul into hell. Like, yeah. I mean, we we would look at that word and then Jesus even echoes it. It's like, fear him. <laughs> like, yes, just so you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> right. I think people look at that and they're like, well, when you go back to the original Greek. <laughs> fear means. <laughs> it meant respect. It meant reverence. It meant, well, I think it meant fear. As in like fear. As in like, you know, I'm afraid. Yeah. As in like, I don't want to be eternally destroyed. Like, and this is a good fear. Yeah. This is a healthy fear. Fear is a gift. Um, um, oh, Living Waters. Um, Ray Comfort. Ray Comfort. What does he say? Fear is our friend. 
He says, fear is our friend. It is a gift that God has given us that we care about ourselves enough that we do not want to perish and be eternally tormented. Having had an opportunity to receive forgiveness for our sin, to turn to Christ, that the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ. We do not have to live under that wrath. <laughs> fear is our friend, but man, we're, <laughs> we're afraid that people would fear. No, no, do be afraid. Do be afraid, but also know that God loves you so much that he made a way for you to be redeemed. All right, we're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.